Hello and welcome to Blue Royalty, a London is Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. I'm your host, Jesper Humphreys, joined today by Abdullah. Abdullah, how is it going, my man? Good. Tired. It's just the bachelor life. That, that I've, I've always been a bachelor, but you know. Abdullah's mum's gone away, basically. It's <laughs> yes. what you need to know, listener. And he's freaking basically. out. I survived nine of the ten days. We're on the tenth day. Things are getting hectic. But it's fine. She's back tomorrow. Then I go back to normal. Yeah, but guys, pray pray for Abdullah in this last day until his his mum have him have him in your thoughts and prayers. That's that's all I'm saying. Thank you very much. We have been going through the international break. It has been dramatic if you're an England fan. I'll say that for sure. But we're reaching the end of it. The WSL is on the horizon. And to be honest, the way I'm feeling about this weekend, I'm kind of wishing the international break was just continuing but regardless of that we were still putting out episodes uh, during that time so if you haven't gone and listened yet to the interview I did with Seb White I'd really recommend it um it was a really really interesting chat I had with him about his experience as someone who wasn't a Chelsea fan but his daughter got into the club and they're both season ticket holders now we had a great chat around Kings Meadows Stamford Bridge attendances atmosphere all of that good stuff um I really really enjoyed speaking to him so I recommend that but today I've and I are going to dive into the Arsenal-Chelsea game. That is the big game that is coming up on Sunday, the first game back for the Blues after that break. Before we get into that, though, I am going to have to start off with a little bit of sad news. It was confirmed today that Anique Nouwen has done her ACL while on international duty with the under-23s in the Netherlands. Um, Obviously, we've not seen Nouwen get a whole lot of minutes this season, but Abdullah... It is a bit, it feels like our centre-backs are a bit dropping like flies at the moment. You know, we've got Millie out for this sort of unclear amount of time. Nouwen is not somebody who we necessarily wanted to rely on, but she was someone who you felt could step in if we really needed to, and now we've just sort of lost that extra bit of depth. Yeah, I mean, we've lost a little bit little bit of youth, a little bit of pace. Um, obviously... Kadisha hasn't been at her absolute best um, for so long, but um, it's been, uh, you know, it's it's been, it's been one of those, it's been one of those times where you know if Anik had to come in because if if Millie's out for an extended period of time, you're gonna play Kadisha, let's say Marin Mielda or or, or any or Jess Carter there. But if anything happens to one of them, Anik could have stepped in, and now you've just got Marin to rely on, which is not a problem. But Marin is on the other side of 30 and to play her every week is not something I think Chelsea would ideally want to do um, because she's better suited to these one-off games or a, a couple of games in a row where she can really give her all and then kind of go from there. And I don't know where the backup comes in there. Maybe an Eve Paris that comes inside at some point. But yeah, it's it's tough, especially with Millie be, being out. And, and yeah, we could have had a natural centre-back who's actually even used to the system, right? And has played there. So it's better than nothing. Yeah, definitely. It will be interesting to see, you know, whether Nuskin is someone who's turned to, whether Chelsea look into the market on centre-backs in January. I think that will be interesting because Nouwen's, I guess, long-term future at the club might have had a little bit of a question mark over it anyway. Um, But obviously, most importantly, all of us here wish Anique the best in her recovery. We know that that Chelsea medical team, she's in the best hands she can be. I definitely think they are absolutely the best in the business and fingers crossed she can get back to full fitness as quickly as possible. Let's turn our attentions, though, to this Arsenal game. 
first things first, Abdullah, how are we feeling? Um, how are we feeling? I feel okay. I mean, yeah, results have been good. You know, we've had some solid performances in the last uh, few weeks, but it is Arsenal. It is a big game. Obviously, when we played City, you know, you have the red card against them, but then they still um, they still scored, uh, you know, they still scored the early goal. They put pressure on us. They, they really did uh, a lot of work over there. And so kind of coming up against another top team will be will be interesting and see how we can start off the start off the game because that's probably where my my biggest concern is is how Chelsea start the game. I Sam Kerr with two weeks off I think is a huge boost. Um being able to sit at Cobham and 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 just get rest, get a bit of fitness going and and kind of you know just get the rest that she needs. And I think that's the biggest boost that we can get. But yeah, I think overall I'm feeling okay. I I think we can beat this Arsenal team, even though they are they've 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 been showing signs of of doing really well. But uh, I think it'll be it'll be a tough game. It'll be a tight game, but it'll be enjoyable. Yeah, I think where I'm at is like realistically, I know that if we lose this game, it's in the grand scheme of things not the end of the world. We will be level on points with Arsenal. We have had plenty of occasions where we've been behind Arsenal at this point in the season, and we've gone on to win the league. But it is just losing to Arsenal is the absolute worst feeling in the world for me. Like, I hate it. I hate to lose. Like, the only thing I could imagine would be more annoying, but it's never happened, would potentially be losing to United. But I just think because they're a newer club, it still wouldn't feel as intense as losing to Arsenal would. And I think there's also feels something very... Because obviously Arsenal have sold so many tickets to this game, they're looking at selling out the Emirates. I actually had a really interesting uh, chat to, to some of the Arsenal team about this for a piece I wrote about it on The Athletic. Um, but because of that, it just feels like we have to win to shut them up. I, mean, I, I just feel like all of it ties into this almost like additional pressure that, that comes on this game. Yeah, I think Arsenal fans can be very, um, very loud, and 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 obviously, if they get the win here, it it just, for I mean, you re- remember the first game of the season a couple of seasons ago, and they won at the Emirates the three two and that whole thing, and that kind of lingered on until we played them next, and then, uh, you know, then then we were able to to keep them quiet, and um, it, it and also I think Chelsea are in a the league itself I think is in a very, um interesting position right you you look at the you look at the standings you know Chelsea are on 22 points Arsenal on 19 points and if Arsenal get a win you know they kind of go up level on points and then that kind of starts putting pressure on Chelsea and then you know people start asking well was the Chelsea great start to the season of seven wins and one draw a you know a faltered on can Arsenal come back pressures on Chelsea to win every game now and we know Emma Hayes will not let this team hold up and sit back and relax and she'll make sure that they win every single game anyway but this is unnecessary pressure and if you can put the early loss against Arsenal early in the season now you're just keeping more pressure on them and we know we've seen them what happens under pressure you know for a while they will show consistency and they'll keep winning games but at some point there's going to be that one game that's going to break them because that the pressure of winning that one game whether it's a Bristol City let's say who are bottom of the table or a Liverpool or a Manchester United it, it it becomes tough because then at that point it's like you have to win that game you don't have a choice though so if they win this game 
while they still have to win every game, that pressure is a little bit less because they're like, we're just going to play catch up, right? You keep, you have to win and we will just match you and we're, we're there, they're about. So yeah, I think, I think to both keep them quiet and to also, you know, get that breathing space and put more pressure on Arsenal. I think it, it becomes important to, uh, important to win this game. Yeah, definitely. There's this feeling of like, if we win, there's a six point gap between us and Arsenal, which feels really big to have sort of at Christmas. If we lose, we're on equal points and it feels like you've kind of may as well scrap this sort of first couple of months we've had of the season and go into January and start everything all over again. So I think especially with Arsenal being a team who I feel like are very driven by emotion. Um, Jonas Eideval did this interview with Ian Wright and Flo Lord Hughes for Wrighty's House, which I really recommend everyone listening to. Like, I think as Chelsea fans, it's like a really interesting insight into the way Jonas thinks. And something I was really struck by was that they asked him sort of about his coaching inspirations. And he said like Pep as one. And Pep was sort of the exception then to the managers he he spoke about, which was Arsene Wenger, Diego Simeone and Jose Mourinho. And I thought what was really interesting is all of those are emotion. They're, they're managers who are very driven by emotion. And it feels sort of like ideas of like passion and togetherness and closeness and personal support, almost like Trump sort of tactics. And I think that feels very true for Jonas and this Arsenal team, which is why I worry about sort of them beating us in front of... 60,000 people and how that could actually be a real boost to their to their season but that's us doing sort of the emotional bit out the way there might be more emotions coming in later I feel like this is the game I'm most emotionally connected to all season but let's take a little ad break and then when we come back we'll try and sort of put more of our you know tactics analysts journalist hats on and actually sort of break down how we think this game might play out So I think we should start for anyone who has maybe not been keeping a close eye on Arsenal this season by having a little rundown of where they're at and sort of where where we think they are as a team right now. They've had an interesting start to the season. I've been calling it elsewhere as a bit of a Chelsea-coded start because it was slow. They obviously got knocked out of the Champions League. They lost their WSL opener to Liverpool at the Emirates, drew with the United came back in injury time to beat Aston Villa, also at the Emirates. And then since then have sort of gradually got the wheels in motion. They beat Manchester City thanks to a Kiara Keating error. They came back from 2-0 down against Leicester City to beat them 6-2. They needed an injury time winner against Southampton in the Conti Cup to win that one. There's this sense right now, Abdullah, from my perspective at least, is that this is an Arsenal team who are grinding out wins as opposed to getting them confidently is that sort of where your head's at in assessing them yeah i think so and 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 i I guess it's a good and a bad thing i mean if you can catch them out as they have been starting not so well then you have the chance to pressure them and, and and you know make them make them pay for it and then not allow them to come back into a game whereas you know, we've seen games like Leicester City and 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 like you said with, with the with the Manchester City game and the Aston Villa game where they didn't start off maybe that great. Leicester obviously not. Forty five minutes in, they were two 0 down, and you know maybe a team with a bit more experience closes that that out, um, and 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 maybe makes it a three one or a three nil. Um, but obviously they came back and their quality showed against Leicester. Um, but you know that Villa game could have quite easily have been a draw, and then that's a loss and two draws in their first three game. I mean, that that could have been horrendous for them. Um, so I do feel like they um, 
they have been getting close results, which some games, sure, they deserved the win. Some games they probably didn't. Uh, and I think it's it's good news for Chelsea, right? And 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 maybe this forces Arsenal to to go on the ascendancy and have to push, and Chelsea can play on the counter. But at the same time, Chelsea can kind of go in and 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 stamp their authority and and the start of the game. So I think it's a good and a bad thing, but it just depends on not just the start; it's how we capitalize on the start or come back from it, right? If Arsenal do start well, how do we come back? And if Arsenal don't start well, how much can we capitalize and can we score? two, three goals in that first half if they are playing pretty badly and not make it similar to the Manchester City affair where Arsenal won because of mistake rather than their own thing. So rather than us making a mistake and get, letting them back in, let's go and take the you know take the game to them and, and, and win that way. Yeah, I definitely think this is the kind of game where we don't want to be too cautious, but I wonder if we will be just because I feel like the feeling that Arsenal need to win, I, I worry about that becoming too strong in our heads and I worry about sort of our experiences at the Emirates freaking us out a little bit because we don't have the best record there. I mean, to a certain extent, we've always managed to stay in games there. Obviously, we lost there 3-2 two years ago, um, but Beth Mead's goal was offside, so... I mean, it is what it is, but Arsenal were all over us and we really got back into that game, um, even though it was the opening day of the season. Last year, Arsenal were all over us, especially for the first half. They go 1-0 up through a penalty and obviously Sam Kerr gets that late equaliser to make it 1-1. So you've kind of got this experience where we don't really play well, but we definitely keep ourselves in games, even when maybe we, we shouldn't have. And I'm intrigued to see to what extent Chelsea have learned from those experiences because... Arsenal obviously benefit from playing at the Emirates more regularly, Abdullah, but so did Chelsea to a certain extent. Like, this isn't a new ground for them anymore. They've not played at Meadow Park since uh, the FA Cup semi-final that was there like two years ago. This is almost a lot more familiar to them when it comes to playing against Arsenal. How much do you think sort of that might impact uh, the players in the team? I think it's good, you know, in a, in a weird way, I prefer it when we're playing at the Emirates because I feel like this Chelsea team, especially with the personalities that are there, Sam Kerr, Frank Kirby, Aaron Cuthbert, Millie Bright, etc., etc., I feel like they come alive when they come into a big stadium. It's like they, they, they almost feel like they belong there, right? I mean, they do, but like that feeling in their own heads, like this is our stadium, these are the stadiums we should be playing in, this is how we are, this is our you know, our time to shine and show and they've got these big game personalities and there's and this big game uh, aura going on that when they step into a, a pitch like the Emirates, it's like suddenly they're like, right, we're here. We're going to show people how we do it, you know, and, and, and you know, we are the big game players. You look at whenever Chelsea play at Wembley, more often than not, they, they bring in the performance of a lifetime. You go back to the Arsenal FA Cup, the first of the two FA Cups in that season a couple of seasons ago, Chelsea smashed them 3-0. I mean, that, that, that chip from Sam Kerr still stands out. And the way they controlled and played that game was was like nothing else. So I feel like the advantage is there. While it's a home game for Arsenal, there's going to be a lot more fans. But I feel like Chelsea in, in, in a big game setting, in a big game stadium, uh, especially one like the Emirates, I feel like Chelsea are probably the best, if not the best, at at, at playing in, in bigger stadiums, at least in the WSL, if, if not in and around uh, top three in Europe. Yeah, definitely. It'd be really, really interesting to see how that works out. Let's switch back to Chelsea then. 
quickly. Obviously, we're coming off an international break. These are... It's hard, I think, to really prep for a game when you're in that situation. We know that Hayes is going to have very little time with their players. We also know, for example, that Hayes is someone who prioritises sort of rest and more chill training sessions potentially after that because you prefer to have fresher players for games like this. With that in mind, how do you see Chelsea lining up? It's interesting. Um, I feel like the good, the good. I think I think one of the things I've noticed about the squad this season and the players that are playing, they can do both. If you want them to play a bit more of a freestyle attacking game, they can play it. And if you want them to sit back a little bit and and ask them to hold position and and, and kind of play a bit more counter-attacking and kind of hold off, they can do it. You just take the example of Shukin Nuskin and Aaron Cuthbert, right? Both of those players can be equally defensive-minded or attack-minded in, in kind of whenever you want. Shukin Nuskin has played as a 10 and a 6 this season. I mean, practically. Uh, she scored a hat-trick in one of her games already, but she's also played, had amazing defensive performances, covering up the, you know, uh, uh, anchoring the the number six position against the back four. Erin, um, we know her qualities. She can go back and forth, crosses and and and, and passes and kind of, you know, defensive shield. Um, similarly, whoever's playing in front of her, whether that's, uh, you know, anyone at number 10, you have that player who can kind of do both. You, you have the you have the fullbacks now who are like Neil Charles, amazing left back, bombs up and down the left side, but also equally has really good defensive skill. You can choose either Ashley Lawrence or Eve Paris to play on the right to be a bit more supporty and one or the other can 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 kind of support going forward but also defensively comes back so I feel like with the combinations that we play I feel like it's not the personnel that's going to matter too much because I feel like a lot of the starting 11 can do both I think it just ends up being the system does Emma want to play 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1 or even a 3-4-3 she's we've seen her throw in that that 3-4-3 and I know she keeps saying it's not about a system it's it's the players that are there and we can morph into different systems but I feel like the starting the starting system with the 11 that she has dictates what kind of system she wants to transform into, right? Most of the time it's between two. So if you, let's just say we end up seeing, um, you know, uh, Jess, Khadija, and say Eve, you can potentially see it maybe switching from a 4-2-3-1 and a 3-4-3, and a Rather than if let's say Ashley Lawrence is playing, you're gonna maybe go a bit more of a four back four flat back four, four two three one four three three and kind of switch between there. Just as, as just an example there, because I think if Shukaniskin and Aaron are gonna start, then it doesn't matter who you have at the base and who's playing a further forward. Both can do it, and both can sit as double sixes, and both can sit as a single six and a single eight. So I that I think I think from that approach, I think it comes down to who she picks in a couple of key positions, and then kind of which two systems she wants to kind of uh, transition between. Yeah, definitely. I think for me, what I'm really fascinated by is sort of that midfield matchup, because in my opinion, that's where Arsenal have really been able to get an advantage over us in the past. And I think the game at the Emirates last season was a great example of that, where it felt like we sort of really struggled to get high quality possession in that area of the pitch. And it wasn't really until... Yelena Chankovic came on in the game that it felt like that really changed for us. Chankovic, obviously someone who she seems to have disappeared. So I'm going to assume she's not available for this weekend, whether someone like Melanie Leupoltz might be. But there's also then, I guess, this toss up about whether you have 
a quite high intensity midfield players like Cuthbert and Nuskun pairing up or whether you take the risk about someone who's a bit less mobile like Sophie Ingle but potentially might be better on the ball and what's really interesting like about that is the fact that sort of for the first time ever or not the first time ever but first time in a very long time Arsenal don't really have a clear-cut midfield you know like for literally like the past gazillion seasons, if you asked me what Arsenal's midfield was before Chelsea game, I'd tell you they were gonna play Leo Volti and Kim Little. And they might they might well do that on Sunday. They might well do that. But we've seen them play as a result of, of injury. We've seen them play Kyra Cooney Cross and Victoria Pullova together. I kind of wonder whether they'll go for a combination and maybe play Leo Volti with Victoria Pullova. But there's like two kind of complications there for Chelsea, right? Because on the one hand, that feels like an opportunity. Arsenal's midfield is not as settled as it would normally be. Even if it's Volti and Kim Little, they haven't played together for a couple of weeks. Um, both of whom have not necessarily been super fit, but Volti did play during the international break. I'm sure Kim Little's fit now because obviously she's retired from international football. But at the same time, it creates this sense of uncertainty. It's hard as a game plan as a result. What are you prioritizing in this situation, Abdullah? Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think um, midfield becomes uh, a super important part because I think at the end of the day, it's a cliche, right? Yes, midfield, the midfield battle wins you the game, and the control there becomes the most important. But I think in this game, to take advantage of Arsenal in the middle becomes super important because if you allow Awesome to control the game that we've we've seen how they how they use their midfield to transition into a Beth Mead or a Viviana Miedema and, and whoever up front and 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 with and when Chelsea win games well it's their midfield doing the work and everything kind of starts off over there it's it's weird yes you can you need to have a solid base in your back four you need to have a, a coherent attacking lineup that can that can kind of you know finish your your chances but I feel like everything starts in the middle. If Shukaniskin and Aaron Cuthbert are playing well and they can control that midfield, suddenly Chelsea's players around are more free. There's there's more freedom for Neve Charles to be able to step forward an extra few yards as an initial starting position because she knows more often than not they're going to win the ball, they're going to keep the ball, and they're going to play it forward. Whereas if they're not playing that well, everyone steps back a couple of yards and then you lose a little bit of uh, um, positioning on the pitch. You're a bit deeper, kind of getting boxed in then you kind of have to kind of work out from there and also can just kind of pile on the pressure there. And, and, and that, that comes down to, uh, that comes down to the, the pressure of the midfield, um, to, you know, who has to alleviate that. And at the end of the day, then they kind of box themselves in. So I agree with you. I think midfield becomes super important. Kim Little is obviously going to be there, but Kim Little, Leo Volti, Leo Volti, I think is, is, is going to be great, but Kim Little, I think a bit more on the attacking side and uh, in how mobile is she question mark, but I feel like we can, we can deal with that. So, um, I really think it comes down to those two in midfield and how they can uh, they can handle the midfield and how they can maybe stop Arsenal's key players, especially in that number 10 position, if it is Kim Little, for example, playing there, because that's where I think Arsenal are the most dangerous. I think we'll get a really good idea of how this game is going to pan out sort of based on what midfields both teams select, which I think will be really fascinating. But the area that I think really that Chelsea can get out are Arsenal and it's been very fitting to be thinking about this this week when it's the two-year anniversary of one of my favourite games ever, us smashing them in the FA Cup final. But that was a game where we just really went in on a quite ropey Arsenal back line and they just turned the ball over so much they made it very, very easy for us. I definitely think 
even though Arsenal's attack has been something that's been talked about quite a lot, that, you know, obviously they brought in Alessia Russo and she's not necessarily scoring right now. Personally, for me, I still think she offers a lot and they've got enough other goal scorers, especially with Beth Mead back, that it doesn't have to be a big worry. From my perspective, the area where I think Arsenal are really struggling is defensively. And there's a lot of games they've played whereby they've kind of had to... The reason they've had to sort of find these goals to bail them out is because they've conceded in the first place. You know, they conceded to Aston Villa. They made two mistakes to end up drawing with Manchester United. Bristol City were able to equalise them and they required on Katie McCabe to bail them out. They had to come from two goals down against Leicester City. So I think for me, it's going to be really interesting to see how front-footed Chelsea go because that's something that where I think there's a lot of joy to be had, especially on Arsenal's right-hand side. So they've been playing Katie McKay, but right back quite a bit. She's sort of like inverting, but they also obviously have Noel Moritz as an option there. Uh, as the right-sided centre-back, they've been using Amanda Illerstedt, who I think looks so, so slow um, and quite out of her depth in the league at the moment. Um, it's really actually giving me a sort of different version of watching Kadisha Buchanan. I think it makes you really, really realise how different the French league is from the WSL in terms of like intensity of attacking a lot of the time. And I think it'll be really interesting to see if we stick with Lauren James out on the left because that's exactly the kind of, that you know, Arsenal's weakest area defensively is the area that she wants to attack. But I guess part of that that then becomes interesting is... Who do you think we see play as the 10? Obviously, Fran's come in a bit. We've seen Jesse there. We've seen Nuskin there. I wonder if Jesse will sort of miss out because of coming back from Canada. Um, I think, again, that will sort of go in Emma's box of these are players who are maybe a bit tired, who maybe I don't want to risk. But do you think Fran gets the gets the nod in this area of the pitch? I think for the reasons you pointed out, I think Fran is going to be a big... Uh big player there but I think this is tailor-made for Jesse Fleming to start and play I think these are the big games where I think Emma wants Jesse to come in and just kind of be busy in that number 10 I, I think more so than having a pure creative force in a Frank Kirby who I think is fantastic and yeah if she's if she's fit and you know she's fully firing you don't drop Frank Kirby at all but I think in a game like this where you're going to come up against players that are that are, that are going to be buzzing around you and you're going to need to, to apply some pressure. And I think, again, whether Jesse plays, I mean, and and taking out the caveats that you mentioned about her being tired and kind of being put in that space, or whether Fran plays, maybe to an extent will tell us how Emma wants to approach the game, right? If Jesse plays, it's a bit more, okay, I want to press, I want to do a lot more off the ball work because you're assuming that Shuka and uh, Aaron are playing. See, if er if Shuka plays at 10, who sits alongside Erin, especially with Melanie Leupold still again. And I mean, I think she's still 50-50 disappeared in this void of, we don't know what the injury is. Um, see, if Melanie was fit, I would not mind doing Shuka at 10, Melanie plus Erin. I think that would be a very, very good midfield for this game. But in the absence of that, to replicate it, I think Jesse plays at 10 going in there. But the, the, the fact is that she's coming back from Canada. It's a long trip recovery it'll take a little bit of time and i think she'll come on in the game maybe with 20 30 minutes to go so by the virtue of everything i said basically is is irrelevant because i think that frank kirby will start and everything else that goes out the window but that's the logic behind it but yeah i think because of that i think frank kirby will start and uh you know getting a fresh frank kirby alongside a sam kerr i think is is, is important yeah, definitely interesting to see sort of what options Chelsea go for. We're going to take another break here and then when we come back, we'll, we'll have a little sort of wrapping up this chat about the game.
so we've talked sort of about our heebie-jeebies at the Emirates, but something I've really been thinking about prepping for this whole game across the various podcasts I've done, and obviously this one talking about it, is this real sense that when we play Arsenal at home, we make it so quite boring, boringly easy. You know, we get these like quite comfortable sort of 2 nil wins and everything looks kind of smooth, but when we sometimes go and play against them or we play in neutral grounds I think in the Conti Cup final we don't really have that same attitude and obviously it's natural I think to you know have a play better at home than you do away we've got an incredible record at King's Meadow it's kind of scary to me that we're going to play them at Stamford Bridge next year you know next then the second half of the season because King's Meadow feels like my safety blanket when it comes to Arsenal but what do you think it is Abdullah because this isn't a team that normally gets sort of overawed by the big occasion but they they do seem to struggle when they're playing Arsenal not at home. Yeah, I think I think it's the I think Arsenal have given them kind of the biggest run for their money in the last couple of years. And you know, as much as City is a big team and 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 they've given us problems themselves, I feel like we've had the better of City for the most part in games. Obviously, this season a little bit different. They survived and you know, we got a one-one draw. But um, Arsenal have been the team that have been probably the one that have run Chelsea the closest. And I think Chelsea are wary of the fact that every time they play Arsenal, yes, they've won games. But I think it just it just for them is that if we lose to Arsenal, there's a better chance that they'll continue their run and take advantage. Whereas with City, you almost feel like even if they win or draw, at some point they're going to drop some points, right? You just almost, it's like, it's like inevitable to an extent that City will end up dropping some points. I mean, you see this season, yes, they got the, let's just say they got the win against Chelsea and everything else stayed the same. They've already lost to Brighton. So they've already got that major clanger out of the way, right? And so with Arsenal, they could have had that against Leicester, but they came back and won that game. They could have had that draw against Aston Villa, but they came back and won that game. So Arsenal have already proven just on this season alone that, all right, when we do get out, like we lost, they lost the first game and, and they drew the second game, but they came back and they've won pretty much all their games after that. Whereas with City, they've had great starts, they've had great games, but then they've lost to Brighton, right? And then you can almost, you can, and you can almost think, okay, will they, where else will they, will they drop points? And so City, again, I think because of that, that the fear factor isn't as much as I think with Arsenal, where, where I think Arsenal, especially now, uh, I've also played them, you know, got them playing some decent football. They've got a good squad as well. And I think, but most importantly, I think you're almost knowing that they are consistent in getting results. And and, and yes, if they do drop points, it's it's great. But you're more often than not thinking that Arsenal will just pick up three points every week and you're going to have to, uh, you know, stay ahead. Yeah, definitely. I feel like there is just this extra level of intensity that, whether it comes sort of geographically or sort of the level of games where we've met in, it makes it feel extra intense. I think, again, I'm trying to sort of remind myself that regardless of what happens, um, there's so much more to play for and we're kind of fortunate to be in a position that we were, we're already above Arsenal. So, uh, yeah, it, it feels like in a logical sense, it's like if we lose, we lose. Okay, like move on and get over it. But it, it's the more emotional sense where you're just like, oh my God, I would really, really love to beat them in front of all their fans. Um, Just to finish off, Abdullah, let's... I don't want to do predictions because this game makes me feel too sick, but I do want to talk a little bit about what you think the key matchup might be. If someone is tuning into this game on Sunday, 
maybe they've not watched a whole load of Chelsea or Arsenal this season. Maybe they're like, uh, you know, going for the the big Sunday kickoff for the first time. What are, what is the bit of the pitch you're really going to be looking at that's going to like decide which way this game goes? Uh, I think it's going to come down to the strikers, whether it's Stina and Sam or if Viviana Miedema somehow makes a start this game after her injury, she's come back. I think it'll come down to finishing um, because both defences will be good. If we don't have Mali, which looks like the case, we might be a little bit more vulnerable than we normally would be, uh, even though we have Jess, Jess back there and even, and even whatever. Um, but there will be chances for both teams, I think. And it will just come down to who can finish their chances better and who can finishes more. And we know Sam Kerr can be that player that you give her say of seven chances, she'll maybe put away three or two. But you just you you want you want her to be in front of that goal and take as many chances as possible. And obviously we have Lauren James who can kind of create out of nothing, uh, but also finish her chances. She's scoring a lot more goals now. So I think it will come down to who can create the, the chances and who, and more importantly, who can finish them. Um, and with Arsenal, obviously, they got Beth Mead back, kind of coming back into form. She did decently good, well for England in, 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 in this international break. So she's got a bit more rhythm and match fitness that I think she needed going into the season. Miedema is going to be a bit fresher, you know, having having uh, having played uh, very little um so it's 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 tough but i think um but but i think i think we should be we should be in good hands with sam and especially if and again another reason for fran kirby being in there is she's another colossal finisher so if chelsea have fran lauren and uh, and and fran lauren and uh, uh sam there then i think it's uh it's it's great news for us to to play the game yeah i think i'm gonna go with I like the way you just sort of named every player on the pitch. That's a great way to answer the question. I respect it. I respect it. I respect <laughs> it. Uh I'm gonna sort of specifically say, and I've touched on it before it already in this pod, but that Lauren James potentially going up against whoever's in that right back position. I think LJ is someone who just feels like she's so confident at the moment and feels like she's in really great form and I I'm just really, really excited to see what she can take from the Emirates crowd because I do think she's really begun to enjoy that the way she's sort of seen as like a bit of a villain which sometimes I think is uh, very unfair the way it gets put on her but also at the same time I think she does like sort of like playing up to it and people think she's a villain because she's really really fucking good so I I really want to see a good show from her. She just won Player of the Month, so deserved for November in the WSL. And I think it would be a real like marker of intent on the direction of her season's going in if she has a really good game. So I'm praying for more Lauren James' season. Uh, so that pretty much wraps us off on this whistle-stop tour through the Arsenal game. Uh, that's the real big one of this block that we've got, but we're straight back to it. We've got Hecken on Thursday at Stamford Bridge, then we're away to Bristol City before we go away to Hecken, uh, and then it is the little Christmas break we've got. Um, anyone who's going to the game, looking forward to it. See you there. We've sold out the away end. Let's make some noise. I'm, I'm, I'm fairly certain that we can be noisier than the other 58,000 people left, so I'm going to back us. On that one, if you're watching from home, uh, enjoy it. 
I hope it's a good game. Uh, me, Nick, and Ollie will be with you. Uh, on we'll be recording on Sunday night after the game. Hopefully, full of celebratory vibes. But until then, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.